They say love is patient, they say love is kind Marriage on the other hand takes those things plus wide Spousing is a journey, not for the faint of heart Being married to a human is a science and an art Hey Katie Hey Lauren Hey! Hey! <laughs> oh my gosh, my dog is freaking out now that I said that. She thinks somebody's at the door, but she can't see because her bangs are so long. Oh, I thought she thought... Sometimes Luna freaks out because she hears me talking in my, like, cutesy Luna voice. Oh, she's yeah. Like, oh, you must be talking to me, but really I'm just like, I don't know, talking about... <laughs> brisket. Just what... <laughs> I think what it is is with me, if I'm loud, she thinks I'm like yelling at Mark in the back in the back of the house. And I can't tell the difference between Mark and the entire back of the house and you, the computer that's right in front of me. So yeah. Millie thought that I was yelling. Well. Well, anyway, I'm happy to be talking to you on this Friday night. I got that Friday feeling, girl. Oh, girl, me too. Which for me is exhaustion. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's what happened. And I was like really committed. I was going to spend like an hour extra at work today and just get some stuff done so that I would set myself up for success ne next week. And I'm in the copy room chopping out some uh, parallelograms and polygons. And I was oh like... Oh, my God. You have a... you Chopping up on a on a paper cutter? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's my next big purchase, I swear. I love a paper cutter. <laughs> Alex told you not to talk about the laminator. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a laminator, a personal <laughs> laminator. It's a life changer. Top of the show. Me, Top me of the to show. <laughs> So you're in there slicing up some paper. I'm slicing paper. And then and a teacher comes in and I start chatting with her. And I'm like, yeah, I have a haircut appointment coming up because we had been talking about it before. And I was like, shit, my haircut's appointment is today. And so I had to like run out of the school and I was still late. Sorry, Diana. Thanks for cutting I my hair anyway. I cannot even believe that you would forget an appointment to get your hair done because getting your hair done is like, since elementary school, I have always said it's like, it's like a holiday. It's the best day of the year when you have to get your hair done. Oh, I know. It's, I it's love so a head nice. massage. My, the girl that does my hair is actually a friend of mine and she gets me wasted when she does my hair. Oh, it's the awesome. best. Yeah. No, my, the uh, best. The, my hair person is, is my friend too. And it's so nice. I mean, we don't get drunk, but maybe we should. Yeah. Well, maybe I should get drunk and she shouldn't because she's got scissors. Yeah, Tori definitely stays sober. I she keeps my glass full, and you know, it's it's a like beautiful experience. And also, what happens to you is that you came out looking stunning today. So, oh, thank you. I loved <laughs> your hair looks beautiful. I want to touch it, but you're five hours away from me. Yeah, that's true. Millie and I both have great bangs. Yeah, Millie's bangs obstruct <laughs> her vision, but, but you you can touch hers. I can touch Millie's bangs, yeah. and in fact, I do. Oftentimes, I touch them and lift them to see her little eyes underneath. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Are you uh, drinking anything? I am drinking. I'm so glad you asked. I am drinking a smooth Malbec right now. Um, I made this awesome meal this week that called for red wine. I made um, red wine mushrooms with creamy polenta, mm. um, and it was delicious, and so I have some leftover. It's not like it's good wine it's not cooking wine we just got it and put a half a cup of wine in the mushrooms but it's delicious so Ooh, i don't I know the brand and it's in the kitchen yeah me too if i'm drinking a red wine it's smooth and, like some like um pinot noirs i used to love like when i was in my early 20s but yeah. they give me really bad headaches now oh yeah they can be a little yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know way more about wine than me uh they're very fruit forward how would you describe a malbec like mm -hmm. Smoky? 
I was gonna say smooth and smoky. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, my college roommate Molly's mom told me she's like a she was like a wine aficionado. In college, she used to they owned a restaurant. And she used to bring us up cases of wine, and we were so lucky. And we before we were even twenty one, every like once a month, she would bring us up a truck full of wine. And Hell yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Like I had free wine. God, I remember spoiled. that wall of wine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was. I was a senior. It was like, who has that much wine? And, and she would also come up and like cook all day for, it was amazing. I'm having a very serious moment of gratitude for Molly's mom. Anyway, she told me that many moons ago, there was a massive fire in Argentina and all of the vineyards burned down. And because of that, that smoky like flavor is still in the soil. Oh, and that's why Argentinian wines have a smoky flavor in them. Wow. Who knew? I have no idea if that's true, but she definitely told me that. Wow. So, I like yeah. the story. So even if it's not, don't tell me. Yep. I want to believe it's, and now it tastes extra smoky to me. So what are you drinking? I am drinking a Juicy Haze IPA. I went to Target because I had a gift card. And I was so excited, and I picked up some bronzer and a little Eos chapstick. You know, the little, like, eggy Yeah, ones. the little balls. Mm-hmm. And my dog loves to chew on those, but that's not why I got it. I got it for my lips. <laughs> and, and I was, like, so excited, and I got to the checkout, and I was like, shit, I forgot the credit card. I mean, the gift card in the car. Uh. So I guess I just have to go back to Target. Anyway, I got the beer there. Did I miss that part of the story? That's why I told Oh, it. yes. You did. You, you purchased the beer anyway, and now you have, okay. I was like, yes, did you go I out to her car? No, no, no. I, I got my, I just put it on my, like, normal mm. car. Not Target is such a, I mean, it's not like you won't be in Target tomorrow, literally. I know. I have been so good. I haven't been in Target in, like, maybe two months. You're a Target girl too. I am you a Target. It's love my, it's like Target. A spiritual experience for me. It is. There were times when I think I I don't know what like I was in grad school or maybe I was in Charlottesville or something and I would call <laughs> you and every time I would call you you'd be like I'm in Target. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking around Target. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they put the Starbucks in there and then they had the Joanna Gaines like home decor section. So I was oh just like, Lord. Wait a minute. Did you see Glennon's Instagram this week? regarding she probably did regarding okay, what so she was wearing it's like it was it's a real deep cut so no one's gonna know what i'm talking about but i feel like you need to know this so um our listeners know who glennon is what our listeners know who glennon is oh yeah no it's a deep cut because it's way down in the comments that this happened. oh okay. um, yeah no i i would not insult them by assuming that they don't know who glennon doyle is um, okay so she did what so she was, she posted a picture, they were on the boat, and somebody commented and said, she was wearing, like, a swimsuit, and she was yeah. like, somebody commented and said, where'd you get your swimsuit from? And she was like, Target. And then they had, she had this hilarious exchange with, like, all of the people that were commenting, and she was like, ev- like, literally everything in my life is from Target. And somebody was like, oh my god, I know what you mean, like, blah, 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 this, that, the other thing. And Glennon commented and was like, yeah, right, I need a new car, but can't get one because Target doesn't have a car section. <laughs> She, I swear that honestly, Glennon is a spiritual genius, but I really think that her gift is comedy. I really do. Mm-hmm. She is so funny. And she she's has a dry so humor too. She knows how to like yeah. slip it in. You know? Also, um, notice on her most recent Instagram post, she had written, so um, the post is um, a screenshot of a tweet where somebody had said self-care is also not arguing with people who are committed to misunderstanding you. 
And Glennon's caption is, that is correct. Respect their commitment and excuse your sweet self from the table. You don't have to attend to ev- you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Dedicate zero minutes of your precious life convincing anyone of any things. Thank you. Next. Bless and release. Condo that shit. And I <laughs> said that first, Lauren. Did I not text you like four weeks ago and say, Marie yeah. Kondo is thank you next is bless yes. and release. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's we all did. the same we had concept. This conversation. <laughs> we should be friends. Also, I'm looking at her Instagram now. The next post over is the one that she says Target doesn't have a car section. There's like 400 comments on the post. So, you know, if you have some time this weekend, scroll through. We're fangirls. Let the hilarity ensue. We're fangirls. Yeah, we may have stalked her in a DC hotel. Let the record... We didn't stalk her. We just went... We paid, we paid money, money to see her to speak. sit down in seats and watch her speak. <laughs> we didn't stalk. There were millions of other people there. <laughs> okay, what are you drinking? Four choice of words. Wait, did I not say it? Juicy Haze. Oh, that's it's right. Not, I forgot. It's not that exciting, but it was the most... It was, it was the, the story. most reliable choice at Target. Because I, yes. I knew it... I, had it before yeah a lot of people are doing these brute ipas now which are like champagne ipas and that I, sounds like a beating that a sounds beating? terrible oh why i hate you an like ipa cham- you like champagne but hate ipas yeah mm, I, I feel like i would just be like although i like sours because i got it in oh, my head that sours are like a combination of oh, beer God, and wine i have the brewery to bring you to when you come down I will be down there ASAP. We're planning yes. a trip as soon as we yeah, get off we this are. podcast. So, well, podcast. Uh, what do we call it? Uh, retreat. Pow wow. Pow wow. I like pow wow. Is pow wow um, culturally, culturally insensitive? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Pow wow. Huh. What do white people have? PTA meetings? It's a- <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're going to have a podcast PTA meeting. Exactly. Yep. So, um, <laughs> moving on, what's going on with you and Caitlin? What's the state of your uh, union this week? The state of our union. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, things are good. So, I, I heard yesterday that a, a hospital in Newport News, which is maybe like 30 minutes from here, yeah. um, they called Caitlin. And uh, she, like, submitted an application, a resume, and all that. I was like, they and just called her out of the blue? They, they just heard yeah. about her? <laughs> That's how you get a job. You just sit at home, and you wait and see if somebody maybe will call you. Well, I was <laughs> thinking that maybe her reputation had made it all the way to Newport News. <laughs> I mean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, um, so she had a, a, like, preliminary phone interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be, like, a lot of other things yeah. you know, coming up. And ultimately, whether this comes of anything or not, it is nice to feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Like, what have I been telling you? It's coming for you. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. I don't know. There's some, a few good. other things. Yeah. There's a few other things that happened that, like, it's just... Uh, okay. Also, additionally, this is related because this week, Caitlin, I also accidentally took Caitlin's car keys to school. She left them in my purse the night before, and I didn't know it. So then I was at school, and she was like, shoot. And so, anyway, she borrowed my mom's car to come pick them up at school. And I needed, and I was teaching at the time, so I dropped them off with the security lady. And the whole way down the hallway, I was panicking because I was like, I don't know who to tell the security lady is coming. Oh. I, I, like, don't, it's, I don't want to, like, I don't know her that well. Like, we're not close, the, the security person and I. And so I was like, I don't know what to say. And so I just, I decided on family member. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, kind of questioned me on it. And there was this whole stressful situation. And then Caitlin had another situation like that this week, too. It was just like, 
Ugh, it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of like emotional expenditure. Yeah, I just want to like all I need to do is drop these keys off and say, you know, it's and it's funny because I do feel, I don't know. It's just yeah. you never know how people are going to respond and react. And, that is and why I, it is so important to have these, like, legal scaffoldings around you. Because, like, I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier, the friend that I was telling you about earlier, who was, like, going to basically bind his life to his partners. Not because they're, like, getting officially married, but because it's, like, the wise choice to do to protect their relationship in a yeah. world where your relationship isn't always safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for, like, that, I feel like is the the lowest bar mm-hmm. because these kind of like small mini situations happen all goddamn time. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. I just didn't, Yeah. I don't know. I That I happened had, today. I had yeah, um a couple days ago. Mm. And I haven't had to think about that. I think I don't know, maybe I guess I did, but you didn't really well, think we about it as much before. in Northern Virginia. I didn't well, that's think about true. it as much. We weren't but she married. wasn't your wife then, yes. Yeah, and now I feel like there's all these little moments where I'm like, I don't know how to, I took her, my, one of my coworkers was in a, a rock band, a uh, rock cover band. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's amazing. And I took her to see the show and then I ended up introducing her to friends, like to, not to friends, but to like people I work with. And that was like a whole stressful situation too. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what they're going to say on Monday. And mm. of course, nine times out of 10 things are fine. But Yeah. Yeah, but it's the one time out of ten that makes this scary. All ten times be really scary. Yes, exactly, yeah. and it, it, that's that's just my hot take here that it's 2019 and it's still hard to be gay. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to ask you. I had a question about something, and I forgot. And hold on, it might be worth sticking on for a second. About oh, in Northern Virginia, didn't you have queer leadership in your school where you taught mm-hmm. to? Yeah, my principal like pulled me into his office one day. This is like five years ago, and he was like, "So, like, how do you want, like, how do you want to handle this?" I was like, "Handle what?" And he was like, "You're gay," and I was like, "How do you know?" <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Well, whatever." Like, and and it turns out he he is too, and and we always were kind of close about that, but. Yeah, and did that? that ma- I wonder helped. if that made you feel safer in the school, like like it you had a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, hundred percent did. Because I, I can imagine it. if a security guard at that school had gotten lippy with you about something, then at least you would have known that he would have had your back. Yeah, right. And there's like in terms of now that I'm already hired, again another reason why it's important to have minorities in leadership positions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. And just like the like cause the legally there's not a lot that can be done. Yeah. Like, there's a, you know, non-discrimination. And, and like, there's not, they can't really fire me for it. Knocking on all the wood because I really don't want to be fired. But... Yeah. <laughs> but just, like, in the social, and to a person who's, like, that the social stuff matters. Like, yeah. with Caitlin, I love her very much. And she's a wonderful, beautiful human being. She really doesn't care what other people think. And yeah. not from, like, a position of... Like, I'm such a badass, I don't care. She genuinely, it never occurred to her to care what other people yeah. think. And so, for me, I want to be able to engage in, I'm a southern girl at somewhere down there, and I'm not, like, saying all of that encompasses who I am, but I, I like the hospitality, and I like to talk to people, and it's hard when you have this thing where you're, like, always kind of guarding it. Yeah, 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 and I think that that's, I wonder, I want to ask you this just, like, completely from a place of I don't know, how often do you feel like you get animosity towards you 
like in the last, let's say, five years, how often do you feel like you've been on the receiving end of animosity because of who you're married to or because of your sexuality? I think we're in a place where people are not comfortable being openly <laughs> animus. So it's bo- <laughs> the noun form. <laughs> uh, animated? <laughs> um, that doesn't seem right. Mean, yeah, openly like asshole. negative, yeah, right. It's not kosher. It's not cool yeah. to be like. But I can. I have been the like. I know that there's a lot of times where I walk out of the room and it's still going to be talked about. You know, yeah. and like that's hard. It's, it's uh, very, and that's the discomfort. Like you, it like it's the and I because that I know that feeling. That fucking sucks. That feeling yeah. of like it's not mean. It's not really getting in your way, but knowing that you're gonna get talked about when you leave. Yeah, and then also just knowing that people don't know how to talk to me about it or relate, like, it's hard. It's the exhaustion of it. It's the emotional labor of it. Even if it's not necessarily, you're legally protected from the, I completely understand what you mean about, like, you're legally protected from the extreme things, like maybe losing your job or, like, getting hurt, but, like, and that's fine. That's like the bare freaking right, minimum. Yeah. And I'll but say it's that the day-to-day that, exhaustions. Right. And I am a person, like, let me, again, I feel like we're always, like, st- talking about our privilege, but we need to. I'm yeah. a very female-presenting, feminine-presenting, white person. Like, I, I definitely have mounds of privilege in that my physical safety is not yeah. usually something. I mean, there are situations where it is, but, like, my, well, if you and Caitlin were holding hands, for instance, we, you and know, that's been a problem before. We've, as we've been in that you situation. are allowed to do, <laughs> because you're freaking married. I don't think married. so. I don't know. Nope. nope. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Waiting. It's so controversial for married people to hold hands. I know. Wow. <laughs> wow, you're <laughs> married. Don't touch each other in my presence, <laughs> married people. Yeah, right. So, Speaking of married no, people, but I can only imagine that, like, if you're having a bad day or an exhausting day, or what I, what I, what I lovingly talk about with my patients as. Um, if you have a lot of vulnerability factors going on today, yes. I can imagine that it's some like microaggressions are not going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> like you just don't want to deal. It's one more thing. Yeah, and it is. Especially, and I think that's maybe why it's been kind of raw for me this, the last six months or so, because I'm in a new, I was in a, a, an environment previously where number one, people didn't really, I mean, in Northern Virginia, there's a definitely people don't really care about your personal life and that yeah. has its ups and downs like people just they're there to do their because there's a lot of transients and yeah yeah exactly and so like it, it's not and it's just the culture we're very workful focused in dc mm-hmm. and so moving here i want to like that's something i miss community but I, yeah but having to introduce myself in uh-huh. a new job in a new role in a new and i was with the same people for a long time i didn't have to come out everybody already knew and if somebody new came, like, it was already the majority opinion that, like, oh, no, yeah. like, this is fine. It's normal. We all went to the wedding. We got drunk yeah. and cake, had a great time. You know, like. Yeah. Or, like, you're being introduced culture. as, like, oh, this is my friend Lauren and her wife. And, like. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that's. <laughs> or, like, in a JMU, <laughs> oh like, you had a nice big buffer of, like, you know, all of your gay friends. Other and also, people. like, exactly. it was really not okay. cool to be homophobic at JMU. Yeah, and there was a really lot of wasn't. people who would have been like not okay with that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I one last button on this conversation. I did I, like it's not it's it's a very good thing. It, this void or emptiness makes a place for a community that is really really cool, and we found that in our church. Um, and mm-hmm. our, a lot of the people that, that go to our church are other queer couples at the, around our age, yep. dealing with the same kinds of things. 
And we, and I also just really love them on a personal level. And we were at a birthday party this week, and this new person came in, and <laughs> and we were going around the room and introducing everyone. And one of the one of our friends there, Kelsey, was is is straight. And so they she went around and introduced her new friend to literally everyone in the room and goes, "This is Kelsey. She's not a lesbian." And like that was my <laughs> favorite moniker. And I was like, Kelsey, I'm putting that on business cards for you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Right? I love that like, your church that meeting, right? she had to, she was the minority in the room. Yeah, church she was. Meeting. There were two straight people in the room. <laughs> Man, I just feel like Jesus would be so psyched about that. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Anywho, how, what's the state of your union? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I want to give a little bit of an update to um, the state of my union last week about like the tiff that Mark and I were having yes. related to me not having enough spoons and, or me knowing that I wanted to protect my spoons and not wanting to go out on a Friday, even though there was a thing happening and he really wanted me to go. Just to give you guys the recap, I have been doing so much stuff for two straight weeks. I was exhausted. I want. I knew I was going to want to stay in on that Friday because Saturday I was going to have plans all day that day and I was going to see all of these same friends on Saturday night. So I thought I'm going to stay home on Friday. And this did not seem like a big deal to me. This seemed very reasonable. But Mark is one of those people that um, this is a big long backstory, but it, it upset him that I didn't want to go out um, primarily because one, he he thinks that he's somebody that thinks that if you're invited and you can go, you should go. Um, or if you're invited and you have free time, you should go. Mm -hmm. And also he, that's a trigger part for us because, or trigger point for us because when I first, when we first moved here, I really did isolate a lot and I really was kind of like, um, not open to going out. So that's yeah. kind of to sum it up. So, I ended up, so when we recorded the podcast that had happened on Thursday and then the Friday was the day that this was, the contention was about, and I ended up really holding firm on my boundaries with that and saying like, I'm not going to go. Um, but one of the things that I've learned and one of the things I want to share is that like, I am, well, it's, a, I've learned it and I'm practicing it, that it's okay. Like, you can set your boundaries without getting in somebody's river, to use that metaphor, you know? Yeah. Like, you can... Yeah. I can set my boundaries and not be angry at... Mar like, it's if you pay attention to when you set boundaries in your day-to-day -day life, pay attention to the emotions that come along with that. And a lot of times, it's like a feeling of unease or anger or frustration or, um, or I don't know... Those are mostly it for me. There's probably other bad emotions there. Those seem to be the ones for me. Frustration, yeah. anger, or, like, discomfort. Um, but, like, it's possible to set boundaries from a place of complete empathy and compassion. And I really was practicing... For whatever reason, I was in a space on Friday last... Like, last Friday, where I could really do that and, like, say... I understand and like he was uh, he wasn't happy at all like he was super un like unhappy that I wasn't out and he texted me about it and said when I say that Mark texted me that saying that he wasn't happy what I literally mean is that he texted me the words not happy that's it <laughs> you saw that that's Mark yes verbatim that's Mark is a literal man when I say Mark wasn't happy I mean that's what he said he was not happy, not happy so mm -hmm. and I texted him back with many more words um and basically said like that's okay um, it's okay for him to be unhappy. I, I'm not upset that he's not happy. That's valid that he's not happy. It's reasonable. I don't think he's crazy or wrong. Um, and also, 
I'm not coming out. That's just how it is. And I, it right. was not at all from a place of hostility or sarcasm. It's just like, and then turns out, and like, I definitely do not want to give the impression that this is a trick that works because relationships are not easy math. And I'm just lucky no. that this happens they're to be effective. Unfortunately, they're daily math. Yeah. As Where you my, have to show all your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Check exactly. Check your answer with the inverse operation. That's and then the variables change every day. Yep. Like, like, yep. Um, so, yeah, that's my... I am very lucky that Mark happened to respond really well to that because then the next day we basically just... I was... Because what came along with it was... And I think that this is key. And maybe this is a trick. And not, not a trick, but like maybe this is a skill. What came along with that is I was really, truly, honestly willing to listen to him when yeah. he told me about how he wasn't happy and also the entire time I was willing to hear him I was also extremely secure in my choice and I didn't feel bad uh, about it and yes. I knew that that was okay that I stayed home and and I and I don't feel like I was being stubborn and you know that there's times when you do this kind of communication and you feel stubborn or rotten or bad and like I just felt like I was really standing in my truth but also like in a totally compassionate and open way to him and because and, my and husband you're married is, to a reasonable person. And because my husband is a reasonable person, he softened like butter and I softened like butter and it was fine. And oh, we both understand Katie, each awesome. other. And I think it was a big, like, Anne Lamott, the writer Anne Lamott says, instead of, like, leaps of faith, she says that she takes lurches of faith. I've been trying to get you into Anne for years. And this is... I know, you gave me... I started the book... Traveling uh, Mercies. Yeah, yeah Traveling so Mercies. good. Mm -hmm. um, and so she says that she has had lurches of faith in her life. And so I oftentimes think about things instead of, like... Um, being complete with healing or fixed I think as like we just made a lurch like that was a lurch forward yeah and um because it's more than just a little step and it's you know it's less than being fixed but that felt like a big lurch this weekend where we're trying we're really and we also had a I forget where I forget what it was about but it was another conversation where we had a misunderstanding and there was some rudeness exchange and as soon as we cleared it up it was fine and I, I pointed out, I was like, like, do you think that we'll ever get to the point where we can skip over all of that middle shit and just get to the place of understanding? Like, because, yeah. you know, like, I think we already do a really good job in the fact that it takes us like five minutes to skip over all that shit in the middle yeah, and get to the yeah. place of understanding. But like, I, it was just like a moment of like, that's what we're working towards. And I think a lot of that comes from the mindfulness practice that I'm doing because I, I have an understanding of what... I have a general understanding, an intellectual understanding of what enlightenment is, and I understand that that's what people work towards through mindfulness, or not just maybe like inner peace if you don't, or if people aren't comfortable with the word enlightenment, but like that feeling, I have a general understanding of what that might be and that that's what people are working towards. And I wonder if we can have that in our relationships too, you know? Hmm. Like, yeah. that sense of like, and I think that that equanimity, right? Like that, that bringing of like, the skipping over that middle shit and immediately getting to understanding. And I, and I don't know if we ever can the same way that I don't believe that I can ever be, I don't believe that I will ever achieve enlightenment because I just, I don't think that I'm, I think I'm a person. I think I'm, you know, that's, I'm a human being, but I think that we can work. And I think it's like a good endeavor to work on like shortening the amount of time that it takes to skip over the bullshit in the middle, you know? Yeah. So that the, um, selfishness that, Id, the ego mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's Just, all about dropping the ego and it is incredibly hard to drop the ego when you 
oh are God, not yeah. sure that the other person will. I have it's easy to drop never, it by yourself, but I've never woken up after an argument and been like, "No, I'm glad I stood, I st- stood my ground." Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, that's not ever been a thing in my head. Yeah, I yeah. always wake up the next day thinking, "I didn't, I did this wrong. I should have done it." You know, yeah, more passionately, more with more kindness, more. Yeah, and not, not to say that I should have gone back on whatever I whatever the needs I was trying to express, but I didn't express them correctly. It and feels that's where the so happened. that is what alignment and authenticity is, Lauren. It feels so good to be able, and I'm so lucky. We were just talking about this before we started recording about how like lucky I feel that I have people around me that allow me to do this and to, to test things out and to experiment with how to be my best self. And I, with Mark, like I really, it's, I, the, the feeling of being able to stand my ground and set a boundary and not give in, but also be very confident that I was being sweet and gentle and loving and attuned to him the whole time and listening to him and being willing to concede when I needed to, that, I feel really good about that, you know? And, like, that to me is what I'm always working on trying to do because it feels really good to, like, effectively disagree yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's what that is. Effective disagreement where Effective like it's respect the whole way through. And I I don't know if we've ever done that in our entire lives. So divisiveness, divide an ability to be an an ability to be to disagree without division. Where we talked about this before. An ability mm, to disagree without division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that yeah. Batman? Um I don't know what I like to do. I like to talk about like when you're fighting that you have to be, you have to make sure that both of you are reassured that you're, that you still love each other the entire way. Even if that means saying like, I want you to know I still love you. And I'm mad about this with literally every sentence, like whatever you like that you, that's how you have a healthy fight is that I know that even when Mark is furious at me, that I'm not going to be abandoned the same way that I know that when my mom is mad at me, that like, if I needed her, even because I was just like having a bad day, she'd pick up immediately, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And that's I think, a cure attachment. And I, I truly cannot remember where this comes from, but the, it was something along the lines of the mark of a strong marriage is its ability to, uh, to retain, to hold tension dis- and disagreement in mm. high volume without division. Yeah. Man, I wish I knew where you heard that because I that's know, a I wish genius. I did too. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of those bounty paper towel commercials where they have, like, <laughs> comparison to the, like, competitor brand, and they hold, like, they get a wet paper towel, and they put, like, a 10-pound dumbbell in it, and I'm like, that's a good marriage. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. Oh, so that's, yes. That's, so you want your marriage to be a bounty. You're not yes. going to go for the store brand, people. Come yes. on. And what I'm not saying that Mark and I are perfect by any means, and I know that our listeners are not do not think that because I actually think that I talk more about our shit than I do the good things that happen. But I do think that we had like a really big lurch towards something like healthy and desirable this weekend. And um, I also feel like I like see him better when like our guards are down. And he will put his down if I put mine down. And I learned that. Like, and it's easy for me to put mine down because I have to all day long for my job. Like, I'm practiced mm-hmm. in it. So if I do, he will follow. And that is because I married a reasonable person. This is the best marriage advice I can give. Marry a reasonable person. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> that's... Literally, I mean, nothing I would do would matter. Uh, nothing I would do would matter if he did not 
do the same stuff. <laughs> agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And also once you've married that person, internalize, make it the base bone of everything that you're doing, that you are married to a reasonable person. Yeah. They can be unreasonable. They can be acting unreasonable, but the, the root of it is entirely reasonable. Yep. So you gotta yep. get to the root. Yeah, because and it, that is based in the assumption that the person wants what's best for you. And when you know that they want what's best for you, then you can assume that they're doing, even if it seems irrational, it's probably reasonable to them in some way, you know? Yeah. And like that for me is a helpful way of understanding the parts of my personality that I don't like um, is that the parts of, so like I say this to my patients, like if there's a part of your personality that you don't like, like you can make friends with that part by trying to understand what that part does for you. And like mm. what that, because we can assume that all the parts of our personality want what's best for us. And so if I'm like drinking too much, if I assume the best of that part of me, then I can then understand that I'm drinking because I'm in pain instead of like being angry at the part of me that drinks. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, 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 you bring that to your relationship. Yeah. And uh, in giftedness, we call so when you're looking at identifying giftedness in children, you are looking at a lot of people have a very uh, ill perceived idea of what it means, but mm -hmm. there's the, all of these traits that you see in a gifted learner uh, leadership skills, um, an, an intense curiosity, um, sometimes inflexible thinking. So there's all of these positive things, and then there are these concomitant traits. So when mm -hmm. you're looking at these traits that come out of, so you have a kid who has really, um, uh, really good ideas. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have a kid who like is really into whatever they're thinking about. If you put that child in a in a group situation, they they're not going to do great. They could struggle with being a collaborative partner because mm -hmm. they can't understand why everybody won't just go with their idea that's really better in the first place. Yup. Um, there's an inflexibility of thought. There's mm -hmm. an, a, a propensity to argue. There's mm -hmm. a, um, all kinds of things that, like, and it's the same thing. It's like that you're, those are the, all of the good parts of your personality that also have their down, their downsides. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's honestly, like, this is based in a type of, and this is a good segue into our topic for today, yeah. which we're talking about today. Like our main topic, we're talking about compatibility, um, specifically through the lens of the Enneagram, um, do you say Enneagram or Enneagram? Enneagram is what I say. And I put the emphasis on N, Enneagram. Enneagram. Do you put it on the E, Enneagram? I don't know. I don't think I've talked about it out loud. I've listened to people talk about it out loud. Enneagram. Well, Enneagram. I, Alex I think I once, say Enneagram. Do you say, how do you say the singer who, um, the white, the white rapper who talks about the $20 t-shirts, <laughs> how do you say his name? No. Oh. The oh, guy with else? the t-shirts and who sang Same Love, you know that song with Mary oh, Lambert. Macklemore? How do you say it? Macklemore? Macklemore? Yeah. Macklemore. Yeah. Lamore. Like it's a first and last name of a French person. Macklemore. I've always said Macklemore and Alex was once like stop it it's macklemore and i was like like tackle like like bait and tackle, tackle. yeah yeah okay anyway so we're talking about enneagrams today and <laughs> before we get into that i was just going to finish my thought about personalities and there's this there's this therapeutic um like approach that i've been studying recently and that i've been going to trainings on called internal family systems and the whole idea and it sounds so wonky one of the things i'm really struggling with is like how to introduce 
a concept that I believe, like I believe in, it's evidence-based. I believe in it in like a transformative way because when I went to this training, they used me as like the sample person, um, like as the example for the entire crowd. Did I tell you this? Like for the entire, oh, yes. yeah, yes. they took me like for uh, the 150 people, they took me and did the demonstration on me in front of everybody. And it was like an hour and a half of like therapeutic work in front of a bunch of strangers. It was really intense, but I loved it because I got to know the modality really well. And the whole concept of the modality is basically recognizing these like sub personalities that we all have that we're all kind of aware of when we talk about like there's a part of me that wants to do this and then there's another part of me that wants to do that like we have these kind of conflicting and polarized sub personalities and the whole therapeutic modality is about f like fleshing them out getting to know them and like understanding what those and like the whole thing is based on the understanding that these these parts of us are there to protect us and for our benefit and but sometimes they're a little misguided in how they do that and if we yes. can approach it with that compassion those parts will like to use the internal family systems language those parts will stop doing their they won't they will they will not have to do their job anymore they'll be relieved and then they can then they're freed up to then do new things like be creative or be of service, you know, these defensive parts that we, once we remove them, well, I'm getting too deep into it because I'm a nerd and I'm excited. But anyway, the whole idea is that when you're not, when you're not hostile to something, like it puts its defenses down. Hmm. Yeah. I got off on that because I was so excited, but you want to talk about Enneagrams? <laughs> <laughs> Enneagrams? Yeah, sure. Yes, Enneagrams. <laughs> so, so we're talking about this. So we're basically talking about, the whole point is to talk about compatibility, but we're going to talk about it through the lens of this um, model of the human psyche, that's what the Enneagram is, um, or the Enneagram, depending on where you put the emphasis. I will say Enneagram from here on out. Um, it's a model of the human psyche, which is um, basically like a way of understanding and typing personality types that people have. And in the Enneagram, they categorize nine basic personality types that and you can take these inventories and figure out which of the nine basic personality types you are primarily. Um, and the, the personality types are the reformer, the helper, they're each coordinated with a number too. So like if you would say, you would say casually to somebody like I'm a one or I'm a two. So one is the reformer, two is the helper, three is the achiever, four is the individualist, five is the investigator, six is the loyalist, seven is the enthusiast, eight is the challenger, and nine is the peacemaker. So people will use this kind of typology. I will say as a mental health professional, here's my caveat. This is not evidence-based. This, although some people will claim that it is, what I mean when I say that it is not evidence-based is that it is not um, best practice and it would not be recommended for me to base any type of um, like diagnostic or mental health advice off of this. However, it is a really, as also as a mental health professional, it is a really useful way of identifying parts and aspects of our personality and thinking about our personality and how to work with our personality. Because I completely believe in the concept of a personality and that there are certain ways that like, if we can understand and make friends with our, again, don't resist it, like the parts of us that are kind of inherent, we can make our life a lot easier, like work around them, flow with them, and then ultimately, 
The same thing with our partner. If we can just accept things about our partner and their personality, it's much easier to flow than it is to resist. So um, just to kind of finish up the introductory spiel on that, this... Um, the Enneagram is typically used in two, like is, you might come across it in business contexts, um, but they use it a lot also in like church contexts. The idea is that, um, it basically just helps to gain insights into interpersonal dynamics and to increase self-awareness. So again, not diagnostic, but I find it to me, I find it to be really enlightening. Um, I find marks to be really accurate and I have a lot of complicated thoughts on mine, but I, why don't um, why don't you talk a little bit about your experience with yeah. the Enneagram before we dive where into that? You, where did you first hear about the Enneagram? Well, I have always been the type of person, because I'm interested in psychology, like my interest in psychology began with like pop psychology bullshit stuff like Myers-Briggs. And like, honestly, all of this stuff began with my interest in the Zodiac as a small child. And then like it evolved into like more hard evidence-based stuff. But I've been aware of the Enneagram since high school. Um, But I and I've also come up with different scores at various times in my life. Like I was very consistently a four in high school and college. Very consistently a four. I think I think that's and I'm not even close to a four anymore. I also want to like add on to your caveat and say that I I'm pretty sure this person doesn't listen to the podcast, but I knew somebody once who was the partner of somebody I loved dearly. And I felt like that person was really into them. It was specifically Myers-Briggs. And she was really into talking about the idea of Myers-Briggs. And it almost came at, the, as a, at a sacrifice of looking at the complexities of a person. And mm-hmm. it's very hard to put people in boxes, especially people who are complex and full of all kinds of... So I, I feel some feelings about talking about things. Like, I think it's interesting to think about how positive traits in the personality can also have those, like, not-so-great, like, um, follow-ups or the, those, those right. balances that are more difficult. Right. Um, and I think that's that stuff is helpful. I, I don't think it's super, like, at a dinner party helpful to, like, dive into. Sometimes people use that as a defense mechanism to, like, mm-hmm. not, not have to get to know a person all the way because already I already know that you're a Leo or a, Vir- a Virgo or a... Have you seen anything on Twitter that's, like, girls who are into astrology are, are like, will be like, oops, I didn't mean to hit your car. Sorry, I'm such a Capri Sun. Oh, yeah. I have <laughs> seen that. I, I know. <coughs> you know who's the worst about this shit is Gemini's, honestly. <laughs> because not to Kate. typecast and I'm doing the same thing as them. I know I'm doing the exact same thing. But all of my friends that are Gemini's will be like, sorry for being such a two-faced bitch. I'm a Gemini. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I'm like, Calm down. You still have choice over your behaviors. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way about personality typing. And there is something that like <clears throat> I profoundly <clears throat> Oh my gosh. Here I go coughing again. This is the new you guys can drink when I cough, by the way. I, did we make that an official honorary game? I think so. <laughs> my dog is like fast asleep right now, so our, in our, it's a, yeah, our listeners are like woefully sober right now, so <laughs> co- drink when I cough. Um, so I there's a like something that I really or a couple things on the web the Enneagram Institute website that I think are interesting to note, but also a couple things I firmly disagree with. One, the first thing um, is uh, something I really disagree with, which is that people do not change one basic personality type to another. 
which mm -hmm. I, and I, maybe if I, so here's a big caveat to this. I've never read the book. I've been interested in it. I've read like a bajillion, like, like think articles pieces. about yeah. it, think pieces uh -huh. about it. I've taken the quiz a bajillion times, but <clears throat> I've never read any books about it. So maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but, um, First of all, I am a believer in growth mindset, and I believe that we can change our personality and that we can become, I believe that through the As power- As a therapist, I feel like it's very important that you feel that way. Yes, and I, I, yeah, and I think, I believe that through the power of awareness um, and through noticing our, our personality traits, um, through comparing them to our value sets and through making conscious behavior changes, we can change our, our personality if we want to. And sometimes um, there, there are things about my personality that I don't love that I am consciously working on. I am a flake. I am a flake. You know this about me. Would you agree with me about this? I'm mm -hmm. a flake. Yeah. Would you also agree that I've, I've gotten a lot better in the last like six months? We are 12 episodes into a podcast. So yeah. yeah I would Holy say. shit. 12. Two digits. We have a dozen. Two. <laughs> Two we digits. as many episodes as there are eggs. Yes, we do. Oh my gosh. And it takes me a week to get through a carton of eggs. I'm so this you. is what I'm saying. So this is maybe, maybe I have a temp and I believe that what, and I also used to be really irresponsible through the magic of like drugs and behavioral therapy. I really don't think that I'm irresponsible anymore. Sometimes I'm afraid more often than anything, I get worried that I'm still that person and that I have to check myself and remind myself that I'm not that person anymore. You know, and so I think it's a little toxic to say that, but regardless, I still think it's fun as long as you have the right mindset. The other yeah. caveats on the website are, um, and I do appreciate this, that the descriptions of the personality types are universal and uh, are not gendered in any way. They apply equally to men and women. We have equal numbers of men and women in each number, which I, I find lends some credence yeah. to the thing. Yeah. Okay, wait, um, where does the Enneagram come from? I, so, I heard about the Enneagram for the very first time ever during premarital counseling a couple of years ago when we when we were getting yeah married. <laughs> yeah and our pastor told, told us the first pa person that married us told us about it and um, we sort sort of looked into it at that time right right so a lot of people in premarital counseling will do stuff like this so the many like personality typing has been around since like the beginning of time figuring out persons like the structure right. of the personality of course, and map yeah. doing what they would call like mapping the personality structure. But the Enneagram yeah. came about in the seventies. Um, they were doing some like, well, there was some other stuff that was Enneagram adjacent in like Europe in the forties and fifties. But at the Enneagram, as we know it today was developed in the seventies. And then <coughs> to my understanding and to my research, the most like legit group right now that I like, or the, people that seem to be like the authority are um, the Enneagram Institute and they've been around since the early 2000s and they have a um, type indicator test called the Riso Hudson Enneagram type indicator, which you can take, it's $12 to take it. I took that one. You took that one when you were in premarital counseling, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've all taken that one. I've also taken the free one. Mark took the free one. You took the BuzzFeed one and found that that one was more accurate. Yeah, it was more accurate. But <laughs> I will say that um, just to give you a little bit more of an understanding and then we can dive into what our types are and how they are compatible. 
So I'll just read this from the website. So the idea is that everybody has a basic personality type and then two wing types, which also influence their personality as well. Probably in this episode, we're not going to dig too deep into that because mostly I don't know too much about it. So, um, and also we're, you know, this is only one episode and people write lots of books on this. So each, each type has different personality presentations that the Enneagram Institute classifies on the spectrum of healthy to unhealthy levels of development. So here's an example. Um, reformers who are ones at the healthiest end of the spectrum, they're wise and discerning. They're transcendently realistic. They know the wisest actions to take at any moment. They are humane, inspiring and hopeful. They're just these like extremely wise. This is at the very healthiest, like enlightened version of this personality type at the least healthy, like most disordered, least healthy version of this personality type would be um, condemnatory towards others, punitive and cruel to rid themselves of wrongdoers, severe depressions, nervous breakdowns, and suicide attempts likely generally corresponds to obsessive compulsive and depressive personality disorders. Mm. So, and so it's not just the type. And this is why I like, this is why out of the personality typings, I like the Enneagram more than I like the Myers-Briggs because it's not just a, nine types and you know your wings it's also based on a health spectrum too so like you could have you know uh, 10 nines in a room and they might all be completely different people yeah and that helps me to understand that it's really not about and i don't think that if you're if you're approaching personality typologies without an understanding of that that it's complex then i don't think that you're using them in a healthy way yeah i i i'm still thinking about the traits of the gifted learner in the same yeah. way and I'm thinking about how if you think about things one of the um, big red flags for us and when we're identifying kids is this perfectionism thing mm-hmm. and that is one of those things that in its in its healthiest form means that that child is going to do everything really well and it's and strives form, for excellence right and they're and they're going to do it they're yeah. going to do it perfectly when you we get talk- that work it's going to be amazing but right in the unhealthy yep. form, that child is not going to do a single thing because mm-hmm. they're going to avoid of the task avoidance is rampant. They're going to be paralyzed. Yep. They are paralyzed because they don't know how to start it. They don't know how to do it perfectly. And so it's not until we support the social emotional development of that child that we're actually going to make any headway because the thing is mm-hmm. we're not trying to make students. We're not trying to make perfect students. We're trying to make good humans for yeah. our world. <laughs> yes. But humans have to know how to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's really important to take all of this stuff is just like with a grain of salt and a guideline. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I am really excited to talk about what our types are because I also found, just like everybody else on planet Earth, I also get like the little like jolt of like oxytocin or whatever the chemical, I should know that, that's my job to know that, but whatever the chemical <laughs> is that you get when like some po- positive thing happens or when you read the horoscope and it is exactly like you or your Myers-Briggs and you're like, holy shit, that's my life. Or yeah. for me, like I love reading these things and being like, oh my God, that is that person. Yeah. So what yeah. are what are your and Caitlin's types? Okay, let me start off by saying you said that we took you asked if we took the, the twelve dollar yes. test, and I said yes, and then later I realized it's like no, no, we didn't. We took I don't know another test. I don't think we paid for it though. But originally, Caitlin and I took the I think in the, the uh, Enneagram Institute test, and yeah. Caitlin and I both had the same score. It didn't super resonate with either one of us, so honestly, I didn't really give it much thought. Just kind of moved on. What was the score? Uh, Caitlin and I were both number two, the helper. Okay. 
Yes. Which was very frustrating to Caitlin. We, I didn't know that it bothered her that much until I brought up, I was like, oh, so we're going to do an Enneagram episode, and I want to. I want you and I to sit down and, and take this test and figure it out. And she was like, oh, it always calls me the helper. I hate being the helper. It's like such, and she was like, you and I were the same. We were both the helper. It's such bullshit. It's just because we're women, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so... They had a caveat on the Enneagram Institute's website about a lot of women mistake themselves for twos because they're women. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because we're expected to be helpers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Caitlin and I took a BuzzFeed test, which was pretty, honestly, much more uh, accurate, in my opinion. So, Caitlin is the eight, the challenger. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that came up, she was like, no, I'm not. That's very fascinating. And Do I you like, have any other facts? I have some. Yes. I have some compatibility facts about you and Caitlin that I looked up. So I'm excited to like tell you okay. those. But I'm curious so, if you have any facts about your individual types. Yes, I do. So Caitlin is an eight. She's the challenger, headstrong and confident. Almost never doubts herself and is always true to her instincts, which usually guide her in the right direction. That's 100 percent true. Caitlin mm-hmm. is incredibly decisive does not care about other people's thoughts or like i mean what other people think of her she yeah she goes with her gut so here's a part that's not super 100 percent. it says she's possessed by the urge to control the world around her which can make her seem overbearing at times it's not super true however if i take the word overbearing out and i and i substitute in the word sensitive Mm-hmm. And then it works mm-hmm. because Caitlin is is like an she's an orchid, you know. Mm-hmm. She needs like specific conditions to be successful. Yep. And so, um, it she and it says that she can be closed off at times, which is three thousand percent true. She's definitely can be closed off. She doesn't can like definitely isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says she's prone to angry out- outbursts. Caitlin doesn't get angry, but she is prone to like just being overwhelmed. You know, yes, having over outbursts, emotional flooding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emotional so, yeah. flooding. Yeah. And then, do you want me? Do you want to know about mine? Yes, yes, yes. Tell me about yours. I am the enthusiast. Yes, you are. I have tons of energy, strong sense of optimism to get me through tough situations, indefatigable, moving from project to project with a joy and a sense of purpose. I have the. It says <coughs> the seven has the talent to pull off everything that you set your mind to. Unfortunately, you can also be a little flighty, which is true. Since you grow impatient, you focus on something for too long. And my my wings are one and five, and Caitlin's wings are seven and nine. Okay. And I, yeah, again, I don't know anything about the wings. But (laughs) I totally agree about that. And I think that you are being both, like, optimistic and enthusiastic and, like, upbeat and also a little flighty, but, like, Mm -hmm. mostly, like, can get through anything and, like, very, like, all of that describes you really perfectly. And I also see all that with Caitlin. And what's interesting to me is that when it comes to your compatibility, I found this description to be so accurate of the two of you. So tell me. Both Enneagram 7s and 8s are highly assertive independent and strong-willed so like we'll just start off with a 10 out of 10 that's you guys so completely Mm -hmm. both types are also resist being controlled or limited by authorities or even by internal psychological mechanisms once someone or even some inner voice says do not both sevens and eights respond with defiance and a desire to push the limits whatever they may be i don't know how true that is but both types are practical this world oriented not necessarily worldly or materialistic but concerned with concrete affairs and finding happiness and fulfillment in the here and now so true of you too i think that that is so true neither likes to postpone their satisfactions or to settle for vague promises about the future also true 
Both tend to overspend their budget on a bountiful lifestyle that is a source of pleasure for themselves and their friends and family. Also true. <laughs> you guys are good about budgeting, but like you like you like the fun. You and we me, like champagne brunch. taste beer. Yeah, we like brunch. Yeah. Let's just say we like to go to brunch. A <laughs> um, bottomless brunch that as as well. Yeah. Um, they love to entertain and offer the best there is to others as a sign of their generosity and as a signal of their success and standing in the world. True. You two are the best hosts. Both are high energy people, which you are, but Laura or Caitlin is not. But I think that what they go on to say is interesting. Often gifted with a vitality and gusto for life that is noteworthy. A seven, eight couple can get a tremendous amount done and are revitalized by staying active. They are adventuresome and are willing to try new things in their relationship. They are also both extremely outspoken and do not hold themselves back from voicing their own opinions or making their needs known. I'm curious to hear what you say about that. Sevens bring more lightness and a sense of fun and excitement, trying something new and different for the sake of keeping things fresh and stimulating. They are also usually the more talkative of the, of the two. Truth. <laughs> Sevens are usually highly engaging storytellers and raconteurs. True. Turning their adventures and catastrophes into entertaining tales. <laughs> yes. Eights. And this is so good. Eights are usually surprisingly more reserved and moody than is often recognized, and they rely on the seven to lighten the atmosphere and make their practical affairs more fun and enjoyable. Eights also bring directness, decisiveness, and the willingness to face difficult situations with determination and persistence. It's like the biography of you guys. <laughs> I, I screenshotted that paragraph and I was reading it and like following it a lot. This has, nothing has ever resonated with me the way this paragraph does. Yeah. This is 100% true. People See, show so that to Caitlin shocked. and if she thinks that's bullshit anymore. Oh, I did. No, I did. I, I did show it to her. We sat down and we read through it. No, she, her initial response was like, no, to the challenger thing. And then she was like, okay, maybe that's Yes. Great. And then we started reading about our, like, our compatibility. And then I read her this paragraph and she was like, holy shit. I was like, yes. Nobody, I, yes. 100% yes. In all, in all the ways. Um, the to me, the thing that stands out the most is you both being really similar and like your your desires and like what you like. What I got out of that second part is that like you two are really similar in your desires to get everything that you can out of life. But you are the one that brings a lot of like pep and joy into the into your environment. And she can be very um, she could be more reserved and introspective, but is like maybe more like the um like director and you're like the mm -hmm. i don't know producer and she's the director maybe yeah and i'm trying to make the producer all i'm trying to do is make the director happy yeah the exactly happy. whoever i am whoever yeah, you are whatever that's so true. and like people but together we I, make a beautiful movie <laughs> my mom is always like man i i'm always i think maybe living with caitlin has opened her eyes to to it a little bit but whenever i, I always used to joke with my mom be like oh like you know we we'd love to come but caitlin hates people and like <laughs> And Caitlin will be standing right next to me when I'll say this, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> I don't like anyone. And she doesn't. And pe But people are surprised by that because she is so, um, she's such a personality that people are attracted to. People right. People are shocked constantly when they realize that, or when they hear that she actually hates people. Yeah. And uh, she's not, she is much more. She's also a nurse, so kind of a people-facing job <laughs> yeah but i think that like i think whenever she's dealing with people she doesn't have to deal with the peopleness of them she just deals with the medicine of them that's true you know and then also like then that the people thing is secondary like yeah figuring out the medical thing that's going on is much more interesting to her 
And her yeah, warm this, personality is what draws people to her. Yes, this this is so accurate. This mm-hmm. the, the the seven bringing the lightness and, and sense of fun that is one hundred percent me and being more talkative, and the eights being surprised surprisingly more reserved and moody than is often recognized. Mm-hmm. No, I Caitlin has been in other. I'm pretty sure Caitlin's back <laughs> doesn't listen to this podcast, but I am I am constantly shocked because i was like how did you deal with this like you know if we'll have an issue i'll be like oh, okay so there's this like mood that we're dealing with right now um how did you th- deal with this before yeah she'd be like well no one ever noticed my moods before mm-hmm. and, I, and i feel like how does no one notice why you like this is huge. moods are so loud <laughs> oh my god and your mood is so loud yes. to me like i can't think when I know that you're upset you know if, like I just if I know even. that Mark is upset on the other side of the state I'm like physically <laughs> ill at work <laughs> yes yes 100% I think I'm, like a lot of our conversations are you talking me out of that mindset <laughs> <laughs> like Mark is I upset hate. and I'm about to be th- sick at work <laughs> yes right oh my god and it's so this yes is, and it is I don't know Anyway, I was very struck. I, I, I was, this was, this paragraph was the first time I was really on board with the Enneagram. Yeah. It's like, okay, this actually does describe the, this relationship that I'm living in. <laughs> right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about me and Mark then. Yeah. Ask, so I was going to ask. After, I might have a coughing fit, but bear with. So, okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, so Mark is a six, which is, the Mark is a spot on six, Um by the way, the only way that I got him to do this was we had a snow day and I was like, you need to sit down with me and like a snuggle. And then I was like, and also Sucker. I have something for the podcast <laughs> that I need you to do. And so <laughs> I made him do it with me though. Like I read the questions to him because I was like, I want to make sure that you answer them correctly. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, maybe that's Caitlin controlling, asked, like, but I was like, he's going to rush through this. And I was like, no, we're going to take this seriously. Caitlin feel, asked me to answer the questions with her because she was like, I don't think I know, like, how to answer. Like, I don't, I yeah. get confused and overwhelmed. Okay, can I, can I tell you, like, an LOL really quick? Mark, Please we do. took the BuzzFeed one as well because he was being very sweet and cuddly and willing to take two quizzes. And I said, um, one of the questions is, like, what do you think is your worst trait? And he said laziness. Mark. You know what? But very busy people. I almost said that too. And Caitlin was like, you literally will never rest. Like all you do I'm is like, go. I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like you're crazy. Okay, like, but that you makes need sense. To chill. <laughs> that makes sense because Mark and I are both like, go, go, go. Yes. Well, and Mark beats up on himself all the time about not being productive enough. And his like big, he wants to be useful. That's so anyway, Mark is the loyalist. All of this fits in with his personality. He's committed, security oriented, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. I mean, truth. His basic fear is of being without support or guidance. And his basic desire is to have security and support. Um, The committed sixes are reliable, hardworking, responsible, and trustworthy. They're excellent troubleshooters. They foresee problems, foster cooperation, but they can also be defensive, evasive, and anxious, running on stress while complaining about it. They can be cautious and indecisive, but also reactive, defiant, and rebellious. They typically have problems with self-doubt and suspicion. At their best, they're internally stable and self-reliant, courageously championing championing themselves and others. And that is my husband like in a box with a bow on it in my opinion (laughs) um 
I, on the other hand, am not as easily defined, and I could not find this anywhere, um, but I swear on somewhere on the Enneagram site, if any of our listeners find it, send it to us, please. I swear on the site I read that people who have done a lot of therapy might have trouble figuring out what type they are um, because they might feel more integrated and like uh, and also they say that people who've done a lot of like mindfulness and meditation work who might feel like out like a little separated from that sometimes might have a hard time and so I was wondering if maybe that's the case for me because I definitely have had a hard time figuring out what I am I will say in high school I tested it as a four consistently and fours are um Oh gosh, what are fours? Individualists. They're individualists. They're the moodies. Expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Yes, and you've known me to be that, right? Like, how yeah. have, you've known that part of me I before. I feel like that that list of adjectives is are the concomitant traits, though, because I feel like what what because I feel like that's probably what you probably most described yourself as when we met, which was in like what two thousand ten. Or so. Ye- 2009, yeah. 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 So I that, feel was, like that was a huge. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There was a huge, massive part of me that, like, loved being melancholy and like like wanted to be like that was before that was like I was like wallowing and enjoying my depression a little bit back then before I realized that it fucking sucked and like got healthier (laughs) um but yeah and I like thought of myself as very like moody and arty and like I just wanted to be understood and like that was who I was in in high school I feel like but as I've gotten older I really I get that consistently as a wing these days, but I really do not identify with that as much anymore. The paid Enneagram test said that I was a two, which is the helper. Mm -hmm. And I also really didn't resonate with that. So I did a lot of reading and I did some more research and then I retook the quiz, the quizzes again on the snow day on Wednesday. And I'm excited to talk to you about this because I mentioned something about this and I was really disparaging, but I think I have decided, and and this is a big caveat, when you take the Enneagram test, they tell you to, like, they'll give you your score, but they say that, like, you know your personality better than the typology, like, indicator does, and, like, it's, it, like, okay to, like, take it a couple times and, like, see what you think. Um, right. So I I really think that I am a nine. I am the, yeah. pe- I think I am the peacemaker. Um, and I... I'm curious about what you think about this because there's some parts of this that I bristle against, but nines are are accepting, trusting, and stable. They're usually creative, optimistic, and supportive, but can also be too willing to go along with others to keep the peace. They want everything to go smoothly and without conflict, but they can also tend to be complacent, simplifying problems and minimizing anything upsetting. They typically have problems with inertia and stubbornness. At their best, they're indomitable and all-embracing. They're able to bring people together and heal conflicts. But at their worst, um, like to tell you about some of the unhealthy things, they can be um, highly repressed, beginning to minimize problems, appease others. They're stubborn, fatalistic, and resigned as if nothing could be done to change anything into wishful thinking and magical solutions. Others get frustrated and angry by, by my behavior. Um, I can be highly repressed, un- undeveloped, and ineffectual. I can feel incapable of facing problems, becoming obstinate, dissociating myself from my conflicts, neglectful, and dangerous. So, like, 
I think of, I definitely see myself in, in all of that stuff. And the thing that I really didn't know if I identified with was the desire to like avoid conflict necessarily. No, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like you. But I do have a desire to avoid, um, I, I, there, I do see though that I have the desire to have everybody be happy. I have the intense desire to resolve conflict right? Like if there's yeah. conflict, I want to resolve it immediately. Um, but I do think the thing that really resonated with me is like the negative qualities, honestly. And, um, the fact that like the good qualities I think are part of, are the things that I bring to like my therapy. Your job. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And mm -hmm. the negative qualities, I mean, like in your friendships, I think that you bring those same things. That's like the, the things that make you a good therapist are the same things that attracted me to you as a friend. Yeah. In 2009, well, listen know? to the level one level of health with a nine at their best. Nines become self-possessed, feeling autonomous and fulfilled. They have great equanimity and contentment because they are present to themselves paradoxically at ones with at one with oneself and thus able to form more profound relationships intensely alive fully connected to self and others and That's to me right now that is literally my like that is my like That's mantra to weird. my mind every day and that's when That's i read that i was like out of nine yeah uh, that is a really nice thing to say. I felt like maybe it's a like true thing to say. Well, when you read like when I read the healthy levels, that resonates with me. The part of me that says like harmonizing groups, bringing people together. When I was Erica on uh, the Ireland trip before I went on my study abroad trip in Ireland, and my grades weren't good enough to go on the trip, and she pulled me because I was on before I got diagnosed with ADHD. I was about to be on academic probation, and she pulled me into her office and was like, "Your grades aren't good enough, but I really want you to come on the trip because you're the type of person that like brings people together, like gets two different groups of people to be friends." Yes. And like, so that's where I. It took me a long time to feel like that was me, but I really identify with that. So yeah, yeah. No, I I think this is funny because okay, when you initially read the not the peacemaker like bio, I I. I was like, oh, that's me. And, like, especially with the negative things, like the going along with things sometimes to, like, keep yeah. the peace. Yeah, feels a that's little bigger. That yeah. But, like, look, looking at this, at this level one, this is you. Yeah. This is, and this is you right now. This is That's so, I are, feel like that right now. I've been really yeah. healthy. <laughs> you have this, been. Yeah, this year has been. been a good year. For, well, and when I'm, you're a seven, yeah. Yeah. So when I'm looking at your level seven levels of development, let's look at the healthy levels. So you assimil assimilate experiences in depth, making them deeply grateful and appreciative for what they have. They become awed by the simple wonders of life, joyous and ecstatic, intimations of spiritual reality, of the boundless goodness of life. Are you fucking kidding me, Lauren? <laughs> that, see, at level two, highly responsive, excitable, enthusiastic about sensation and experience, most extroverted type. Stimuli bring immediate responses. They find everything invigorating, lively, vivacious, eager, spontaneous, resilient, and cheerful. They easily become accomplished achievers, generalists who do many different things well, multi-talented, practical, productive, usually prolific, cross-fertilizing areas of interest. But at your least healthy, so let's look at like, I think yeah. that the max that you and I would ever get is maybe a six. Get into conspicuous consumption and all forms of excess, self-centered, materialistic, and greedy, never feeling that they have enough, demanding and pushy, yet unsatisfied and jaded, addictive, hardened, and insensitive. I would say like, at your absolute worst that I've ever seen you, 
that is like not an unreasonable description of like self-centered materialistic and greedy yeah well i mean like not as like a core description of like (laughs) you as a human being but like at your worst like at my worst i'm dissociative and i numb all of my emotions and you and i both know what i'm talking about right like i'm self-centered at your worst you're self-centered right and at my worst i'm dissociative Like, and I, that's why I think that like, you're definitely, so uh, you guys, when you're doing the Enneagram, instead of looking at the basic description, look at the levels of development and see if you resonate with any of those. Cause I think that that's really where, that's really where you guys would strike gold. Yeah. Well, really quick, just because we, uh, as much as like, I want to talk to you until Saturday comes around. Um, let me tell you a little bit about me and Mark's compatibility. So both so turns out enneagram seven and eights are uh or not seven and eights um you guys are seven and eights six and nines i told mark six, i would six, never seven. forget that we're six, <laughs> and, nine. Hey. six and nine nice. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> um you would be not surprised maybe to know that six and nine is the most common personality coupling match interesting yep it is one of the most stable and most common relationships they say although the types are very different they want rather similar things primarily primarily security and predictability and stability and autonomy so both people are looking for stability basically um and security attachment hello me and mark that's like our whole thing our entire relationship is like healing one big attachment wound they both want their lives to be built on solid, dependable valuables or values and for good, honest work to be rewarded. Um, this I don't totally resonate with, but both types tend to personify middle of the road values in their time and culture to be dutiful, respectful of authority and to abide by the rule of law. Now, that's totally Mark, but like I have a rebellious streak. On the other hand, there is a rebellious streak in sixes <laughs> and a counterculture streak in nines that allows some of these couples to live on the fringes of society, to be unusual in their lifestyle and beliefs, to be free thinkers and unconcerned about conventional values and mores. You can start a cult! Yeah, I, I frequently I've been called Ma and Aunt Katie. Um, <laughs> more for sixes and nines than for most couples. Much depends on their belief systems and the quality of their childhood experiences. Ding, ding, ding. Mark and I are bonded entirely by our value set. Um, yes. And they are looking for a partner who will mirror this, including their own beliefs and reactions. To this mix, there are also complementary differences. Sixes bring a more active mind, questioning and alert to exceptions to problems and to safety issues. There's Mark. He's cautious. He they is, can be. Yeah. Yep. They can be more skeptical of others and find it more difficult to be trusting. Others need to prove themselves first. Nines, on the other hand, are usually trusting and unquestioning, sunny and easy to get along with. They are optimistic and steady, offering support and non-threatening acceptance. Hello. If sixes tend to, this is, I love this shit. See, I get this, like, I'm full of, like, all of these good chemicals right now because it just clicks on so many levels. Yes, yeah. If sixes tend to see the exception and focus on complications, nines tend to see the general and focus on what will work without problems. This couple gets along well, greasing each other's wheels and adding just enough gas to the mix to keep them both moving forward. Change, when it comes, is slow and methodical. Both tend to see themselves, this also I do not agree with, but Mark, yes. Both tend to see themselves as simple, regular people and do not feel special or exempt in any way. Let the record reflect, I feel very special and very (laughs) exempt. (laughs) Extremely exempt. Extremely, yes. I am a snowflake. I identify very strongly with that identity. They are generous with each other and do not crowd the other or make special demands. When they find a relationship such as this, it usually feels like they have found what their heart has been seeking and their dream has come true. (laughs) Which I felt was like, I think maybe the person that wrote this is a six married to a nine. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Um, yeah, but I think a lot, like, to me, the biggest compatibility thing is that Mark and I both are, for me and Mark, w without reading this, if you had asked me what is the most important thing to your compatibility, I would have said our shared values and the fact that we both just want stability in our lives. That's what I would have said. Uh, yeah, you have said that. I, I have. I and know that to be fact, true. When you started talking about this and you said there are diff different people who are connected by, I think it was values. Yep. Is that the language that was used? I was yep. like, that's, yeah. Our beliefs. Say no more. Our <laughs> beliefs, yeah. Me and Mark are, if, if you think about personalities, I cannot, like, I wish, Mark, Mark will have to come on this podcast one day, but he never will, and that tells you enough about his personality, that we're, like, right? very different people, but we share steadfast belief like our beliefs we share in common and like yeah we that's so but that's also the most important thing to both of us so that's good <laughs> yes, like I would right. much rather be like sometimes I think about what would it be like to be married to a Trump voter who like listened to all the same music as me and also just wanted to be in bed and watch movies on a Friday but like I don't think I'd like that person <laughs> so I'd much Listeners, rather deal with the tension <laughs> are you married to yeah. a Trump voter well so uh, really quick just to like and I want to talk more about personality typing because this is really fun but the thing with personalities everything so when I did research on like personalities in marriage I basically did not find anything like good on that <laughs> um, except for the one thing that I found which is that marriage changes your person the big five indicators of personality which are um, neuroticism agreeableness do you know these neuroticism agreeableness um Oh my gosh, and I, I do not know them off the top of my head, but there's these big, the big five personality traits, um, and the, this study basically found that after people get married, their traits change, so like, for instance, women's level of agreeableness goes down, but men's levels of conscientiousness go up, so that's good. Um, so we meet somewhere in the middle. Um, so, but anyway, that's the only real research that I found on personality typing, but as a mental health professional, this is, we should have like a ding every time I have like, this is my professional That's, opinion. You can take a shot for yes, that. Yes, here's my professional, yeah, take a shot every time I give my professional opinion. Maybe I should just like also say the vast majority of what I share on here is not my professional opinion, unless I state that it is, <laughs> and this is. Our person, we can work around most personalities with patience and willingness and respect. And yes. my feeling is that the, the most important of those three things is respect because one of the big things in this, in this really healthy fight that Mark and I had last weekend was me saying, he said, actually, there was a moment where he said, I think we need to go talk to somebody about this. I think we need to go to therapy about this. And I said, I would be, for, first of all, I, obviously I'm willing to go to therapy. I mean, I would, I've been dying to go to therapy the entire, like since the our first date, I want to go to therapy. Said so I've been dreaming of going to, go to couples therapy since I was a little girl. I want to go to couples therapy. <laughs> please so but the other thing that I said was like he was because he said I'm afraid this will never change and I said you know what it really might never change this really might be a part of who I am that I on a Friday am tired and I think that's okay like that after a long week of work that I'm sleepy I think that's fine and that to me is like accepting there's parts of him that I'll never change either. Like he's obsessed with his friends, like obsessed with his friends. He never smiles when I call him. Like he smiles when his friends call him, like he's obsessed with them. And that's lovely. And I have to, I can either fight that, but because I think it's a part of his personality. Like if I want to be happy, I have to accept that part of him. So this is, this is true. If you, 
it doesn't matter the personality of your partner or what their Enneagram type is or whatever. Even if you read that you're like traditionally really incompatible and like it's not going to work out between the two of you. Do not do yeah. That's don't, our opinion. Do not spend the money on a divorce. Don't don't waste your money. Um, know that it doesn't really fucking matter. Like all you really have to do is be patient and respectful and like acknowledge that there is no one right way of being. It's just different ways of being. You know what I mean? Mm. It's hard. It sucks because sometimes I wish that Mark would have different ways of being. <laughs> but that's marriage. But that's marriage. There's this, like, there's... Did, you never watched The Office, did you? Uh, I watch The Office like it's my job. Okay. I regularly want to quit my job and stay home and watch The Office. Oh, okay. So then you'll know what I'm quoting when I'm talking about my favorite quote in season one where Michael says to Toby, I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> Mark and I say that to each other twice a day, every day. I hate so much about the things that you choose, you to, choose be. to be. <laughs> oh, God. It's so true. Yes. <laughs> It's our, like, nice little way of saying, like, I accept you and I love you, but I fucking hate you. Which is how we deal. And to sum it up, ladies and gentlemen, that's how we deal with our relationships. I love you. Exactly. But I fucking hate you. I love you, but I hate you. What I say to Mark is, what I say to Mark is, I, I really love you, but I do not like you right now. Mm-hmm. And I really, and when you, that's space for tension and disagreement without divisiveness. That is true. And that, yeah, that's. See, and it doesn't matter. With personalities, as long as you accept that they're flexible and that you're both reasonable people, man, we should write a book. It should just be called Remember That Your Spouse Is Reasonable. And then on the inside, it should say, unless they aren't. And then we should have phone numbers for hotlines. And then that's the book. (laughs) And that's it. Yep. All right. What are you recommending this week, my love? Okay. I want you to know that in light of last week's recommendation fiasco... (laughs) I have Not a started fiasco. a document. Um, okay, recommendation, enlightenment. enlightenment. Okay. Maybe it's not good for me to recommend brisket multiple times. Um, <laughs> I have started a... a <laughs> I don't want it on a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, well, I know, right? Okay, so I've started a document, and I'm keeping all my little notes in there, and it's amazing. It's so smart. You're such a genius. I, I thank you. I've always... I always thought so. Um... <laughs> The doctor came in. Did I talk about this on the podcast? Caitlin came to me with, like, my blood work appointment. You the came back came as in. a genius from your blood work? She goes, she walks in the room and she goes, you're perfect. And I was like, <laughs> I keep telling her that. <laughs> I love that. Aww. At my worst, I'm self-centered. Anyway. <laughs> At your best, you're just self-aware. <laughs> yep, it's so true. I'm self, I'm aware of how self-centered I'm aware of how perfect I am. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so um, one thing that I've been really into this week, um, after the the whole of that, which will not be named, left, then mm-hmm. another female-driven BBC drama that mm-hmm. came into my life, I was looking for something else. I found another one called Broadchurch. Oh, I've heard good things. It's, it's another BBC drama. Um, this one is quite different from Orphan Black. This one... Broadchurch is a character-driven murder mystery, and it is uh, very difficult to watch. I wouldn't recommend it if you're not in like the best headspace. Um, there are many. We've we've been trying to watch it for a while now, and there were many nights where Caitlin was like, "Nope, we just I can't do this right now." And I was like, "Cool." What's you know, difficult we'll to watch about it? Is it like dark thematically, or is it violent, or so both? And all. It's not a spoiler because it's like in the the. Um, 
Well, it could be a spoiler, so if you want to know absolutely nothing about it, skip forward 15 seconds. If you don't, if you want to know, like, basically what you could read from the intro. Uh, the story opens, it's about a female, so David Tennant and Olivia Coleman are in it. They're the main detectives in the, on the case. The case, the story opens with um, a child who's been found dead on the beach, and it sort of looks like a suicide, but you quickly find out that it was not a suicide, because he's, he's an 11-year-old boy. Um, so it's difficult to watch. There's a lot of um, triggering moments for pe- people who may have lost somebody. Um, that said, it's incredible acting. The writing mm-hmm. is phenomenal. The character development, the way things happen, uh, the way the community kind of responds. It's a very small, Broadchurch is a very small um, community, a very tight-knit community in, in England. And it's very... Um, eye-opening to see how this one thing kind of has ripples that go through the community go through the whole town like from like you see like the pastor's perspective and the local newsboy and all of this and the performances are incredible olivia coleman is amazing david Tennant. if you're a doctor who fan he is yep like un unlike doctor who but in still sort of a doctor who kooky way Mm -hmm. Um, he's very unlikable to begin with um, anyway, so I think it's worthwhile. I've only watched the first season, which is the first, like, eight episodes, the first series. That's enough British. to, like, know that you like it. That's awesome. Yes. I'm yeah. so mm-hmm. glad that you felt something, found something to, like, fill that space in your heart. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to, like, have a rainy weekend some here, someday here soon where I, like, maybe even this weekend where I watch some moody British melodrama. Speaking of, I had a, a little fun weekend or fun, a fun night the other uh, other day and watched Pen Fifteen. Did you like it? I loved it. Did you I, also I relate to that? Oh, like 100%. Uh, all of it? Okay, I'm so I, I'm happy like to hear three that. Or four episodes in, I'm, I'm not all the way done, but okay. I'm like I'm loving. It. So Alex, Alex also said that he watched it and liked it, um, but didn't like relate to all of it so much. And I and I was listening to him talk about it, and I was ultimately I think it's because he was not a girl and like those experiences like i was like oh my god the way that they talk what they do alex also said that he wanted to see like more middle schoolers because he thought that the kids were really funny and like were kind of downplayed which i thought (laughs) was fair but like (coughs) i like every single episode i was like okay that's my life that's my childhood yeah and i've never seen anything that portrays like i cannot wait to get to the like aim episode it's so good yeah, I it's can't so wait. Good. I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's really, I love when people take your recommendations. Thank you for being such a good friend and doing that. Anytime, Katie. I have another one for you. What are you recommending? You. Yeah. Give me, so, give me. I am like a, a tried and true Redditor. I love Reddit. I have for years now. I, if I, when I contemplate giving up social media, I've gotten rid, I haven't had Facebook for over a year now. I haven't, I got rid of Instagram for a while, but I have it back and I probably, I do not get a lot of joy or use out of Instagram, so I should delete it. But I will never get rid of Reddit. I get so much out of Reddit. And I was just talking to you the other day about one of my favorite subreddits, which is, or a subreddit that I really like, yeah. which is, um, am I the asshole? Which is just people posting situations and like honestly looking for feedback about if they're the asshole in the situation because they just want to know, like, can I, do I need to make this better or should I stand my ground? And I, I just like love that there's a community of people that do that. Yeah, I am endorsing this week a subreddit. Um, I'm endorsing r slash skincare addiction, which is, if, for people who don't know, Reddit is a website, it's just like forums, a bunch of forums for different topics, um, and if you're a human being on planet Earth, you'll love Reddit, because there's a topic for 
every single thing and they're all active like well most of them are really active and interesting forums of like real people sharing really interesting information and i got really into this skincare addiction one all about like it's people at varying levels of like interest in skincare but it has taught me so much about how to take care of my skin and like how to read ingredients and um I've, it's gotten me using a daily sunscreen and using like an anti-aging like um like peel at night not because like i necessarily need to but just because like uh, it's the right age to do that because preventative care in your late 20s early 30s is a smart thing to do these are all the things i learned from r slash skincare addiction so i highly highly recommend that and there's this cool thing that they do people post these things called shelfies which are pictures of their like um shelf in their bathrooms and like the the skincare products that they have on their shelves and they're so satisfying to look at <laughs> like just to I see what people wait. have on their shelves so if you just look for that alone but i find it to be an incredibly educational subreddit and uh i i am always on it so highly recommend i am i'm literally gonna go download that right now yeah i have bought and I like will give you a, my download. I mean, follow because it's 2019. And you're I'm gonna sub like actually. If you were an actually redditor, you would know that you're gonna subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah you're subbing to the sub. I actually am a redditor, but I just I read it weird shit. You read it weird. You read it. You don't read it weird shit. You just read it all the animal subreddits. <laughs> no, I I I read it like Duggar Snark website. It, like, <laughs> you do. You Duggar. You read it Duggars. That's what you do. You're the best. <laughs> I love you so much. Okay, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, you may have stuck around for our longest episode yet. And for that, we are so grateful. We love Good you, job. our listeners. Give yourself a high five. Yes, a pat on and the back. You deserve a pat on a the back. Bon. Yep, mm -hmm. a bonbon. And uh, I think we did it, Lauren. I think we spoused. I think we spoused. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.